Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Linda Crater celebrate the thoughts and opinions of magnetic, spirited, and influential women. Each week, bold, brilliant women spark vigorous conversations on the complexities of life, love, and happiness. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Crater. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Crater, and we are visiting today with Frankie Picasso, Kimberly Rinaldi, and Lou Paget, and we're going to talk today about blended families, and I'm going to just buzz in right now and go, I am not a fan of blended families. I know they work. I know they're <laughs> a lot of work. They've been nothing but a giant headache in my experience. So I'm willing to entertain the idea that they can be a wonderful thing. But for me, they were just a royal pain in the neck. I'm going to go to Lou Paget first. Okay. Well, my experience with this, um, here's what I ask people when they are considering going into a blended situation, whether that's moving in with someone or, you know, they have children, someone else doesn't. And what I ask them is to be really clear about how they perceive what's going to be happening. And there was a series, uh, there was a show in, I think, the 80s called Miami Vice. And there was one scene and one show where the lead ended up asking his new love interest. So what is each part of our day going to be like? What does the day look like? What happens when we get up in the morning? What do we have for breakfast? What do you do with the rest of your day? And what that did was have them both look at honestly, what is, you know, what is our initial perception? For myself, I went into a blended situation as a result as being a stepmother. And you know, when I looked at it, I have to admit I went in uh, rather naively because I thought it'd be cool to be a stepmother, which I still thought it was. And it was very cool for me. Now, I did not bring in a bunch of other children. I brought in my own emotional stuff. But what I also realized is I was moving into a situation where everyone else already had their own place. So the tough part is when someone moves in to someone else's environment, you don't have your own thing. Better and easier, if you're blending, to move into a new place together. That way you have your own places. And the other thing is, is when you look at blended by as a definition by nature, it's supposed to be combining, mixing, harmonizing. But what often happens is that people think, oh, that's really nice, but they don't want to give up what their own mm -hmm. power structure is within the new situation. They still want things to be the same, but, you know, this other person not to have something extra to add in. So, I mean, I have a bunch of other things that I could talk about how and what I did, but let's bounce it back. And Kimberly, are you on? I we am, but I was muted. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I am. And um, you know what? I agree with you with the blended family family concept, including not just having two people come to the table with children. Mm -hmm. um, Mr. Rinaldi and I, we joke about being a blended family. We have a dog, but <laughs> we're polar opposites. And I love that you identified the communication being the key when we got together um we both had some you know serious baggage serious 
behavior expectations, um, we went to couples therapy, group therapy, engagement encounter. I mean, I, I pulled out all the cards to figure out how in the hell are we going to maneuver this because he had also been living alone for 15 years. I had been living alone for three years, and I thought, this is going to be interesting with two polar opposites. We're, it, seriously, we're going on 25 years of marriage. There's no argument over the toothpaste. We buy our own. There's no argument over the toilet seat left up, left up or left down. We have our own bathrooms. But it, it is. Yeah. It, it's, it's about expectation. It's about communication. I've watched families, either friends or family, um, and even therapeutically with clients, either completely blow it or do it fantastically where they're able to... I have a niece, and she she talks about her village. Um, her ex has a live-in, and they share time with the child. Her new partner is very involved with the ex and his family, and her in- former in-laws spend more time than you know her siblings do with mm-hmm. her kids. And she's doing a great job with it. And then I see it fail. Right now, and anybody else want to jump in? San, what do you want to say? Well, you know, I think it's easier, and I, I'm just going to say this, when there's one kid or the kids are far apart in age, where it becomes really dicey is when you've got kids in the same grade or kids in the same school, and all of a sudden they were one family, now they're two families, and, you know, there's this vying for for attention, vying for space, and I think people have to understand kids give up a loss. You know, all I ever heard when when my ex was blending his family was that, oh, kids are resilient. Kids are resilient. You know, they are resilient, but at a point... We have to recognize that the, the, the new family's joy is also a loss for the existing children. Right. And, and this is Linda. I'll jump in. And those children can be in their 20s. And it mm-hmm. doesn't have really an age that makes it difficult, easy. It's tough on everyone. We laugh because we say our family is not blended. It's actually pureed. Because it is so, so nuts. I mean, it. we've got, it's, it's too difficult to explain on the radio. If you drew it, the genealogical chart would have boxes. It would have arrows shooting off right and left. And it was, a lot of this was done in my adulthood. And yet it, it does trickle down to my children, their children, and the repercussions don't go away necessarily depending on the communication and the family dynamic. But it, you can maneuver your way through with a lot of work because I, I just think it's not something simple to contemplate. And you all are, we're all saying the same thing. It's difficult and there's loss and there's grieving and there's you're trying to be happy because you're an adult and you know that you want the other person to be happy, but it is not a simple thing to do. No. And, you know, I've had it from both sides where my father married twice after my mother died. And yeah. And to say that it was, um, Oh honey, there isn't a soap opera that does better than ours. Oh, I don't know. I mine might give you a run for the money, but still. Oh, here's okay. Here, I'll throw this up. The okay, house drowning in the jacuzzi. The what is drowning in the jacuzzi? 
the housekeeper got drunk and drowned in the jacuzzi in my father's bathroom. Oh, you win. You win. <laughs> Sorry. You totally Hands down. win. Hands down. <laughs> but that is <laughs> That's just one thing. <laughs> but, oh, my goodness. But the thing that happened with that is there was such an isolation of my father's, you know, affection and how he had treated we four girls when he ended up marrying these women. He changed into a completely different person. And so, you know, that, like, who, who did you become, Dad? Now... When I got married and I had kids that, they were close in age, but I didn't have any kids I brought in. They were 17, 14, and 12. And I remember the conversation I had with them was, and I was really upfront. I said, you guys, I really don't know what I'm doing. And, um, and I used, I didn't use a particular possessive pronoun. I didn't say my husband, your father. I called Ted himself so that we could all call him the same name. And mm. I said, uh, we're all here because of himself. You guys, I don't know what I'm doing here, seriously, but I'll tell you what I do know. And I always told them, I'll be as honest with you as I possibly can. And if I don't know the answer, I'll try and find the answer. But here's what I do know. We're not selling the house. You're not moving. You do not have to move out of your room. I don't care if the room looks like a bomb went off. You know, that's your private area. There's you know, areas that we all share, and we have to be respectful of one another. You guys share a lot of history that I don't share, but, you know, we're all, you know, moving forward in this together. I said, the dogs are going to stay here with us. You know, you guys can do what, you, you know, travel and do whatever you want with your mother, and I'm not pregnant, and that's what I know. So I told them, <laughs> <laughs> I told them up front the questions that if I were them, I would have wanted to know. I'm still speechless about the housekeeper. No, oh, it I'm got like, better. it got better. <laughs> well, I think, you know, like what you're talking about, Lou, you came in with a spirit of openness. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people come into that relationship with the spirit of openness that that you did. I think they come in with a competitive spirit, you know, the new wife competing with the old wife and mm -hmm. the um, the new children are somehow in you like infiltrators into this environment. Right. Um, and I think it's different whether it's the mom and the dad, like, is it the mom's kids at the new dad's house with the new wife or the new kids like at the dad's or the mom's house with the new husband for because for what, whatever reason my kids have a very easy time with the men in my life a very very hard time with the father's woman in his life and I don't know if it's a cross-gender thing you know I've got boys and you know maybe with girls it would be different I just think it gets so complicated you know it's like a Rubik's Cube trying to get everybody to get along well also let's be really candid Sam I didn't come into something where there was complete and utter deception, lying, and manipulation. Fair enough. That is not, that was not the ice rink I got onto. Mine was nice and clean. Yours was not. And I had two stepsons, one of whom, literally, when I met him, it was like he was the male version of me, 14 years younger. Wow. And he looked at me, and this other person says, oh, my God, no one has ever gotten him the way you do. And I, you know, not that I have a hero point here, but I actually, 
because my mother never listened to me, you know, those things that you think are not good, I ended up saying, I am going to treat them the way I wanted to be treated. I know we're coming up to our break. So bang, who's going to take us out? <laughs> I'm happy to take us out. I, I think this is so fascinating because I, I wonder if we could talk further about whether which parent it is, if it makes a difference when we come back from the break. You Absolutely. are listening to Dynamic Women Talk Radio. We're talking with Kimberly Rinaldi and Lou Paget, And Sandra and I will be right back after these messages. Return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. It's a fact that working out for 30 minutes a day will improve your health and make you feel oh so good. But if you are on a quest to lose weight, you should be looking to exercise aerobically for 45 minutes to an hour. I know that may sound daunting, but it's really not. You don't have to kill yourself to keep your heart rate up for 45 to 60 minutes. I know people who put their iPod on and walk for an hour a day. Consequently, they are losing weight, increasing their energy, and feeling great. On the other hand, if you're like me and want to maintain your present weight, then 30 minutes of cardio a day is perfect. The benefits of cardio exercise are fast. And even if you're not trying to lose weight, it is necessary and vital to your health. So schedule in your cardio exercise six to seven days a week and watch your health, energy, and outlook on life improve. I'm Annette Hammond. Know that the breakup of a close friend's marriage can increase the chances of your own marriage breaking up by 75%. Apparently, divorce is contagious. A study on marriage and divorce spanning 32 years has now been titled, Breaking Up is Hard to Do Unless Everyone Else is Doing It Too. The Harvard University study found that divorce is like a virus, weakening the marriages closest to it. What's a word for an unhappy marriage? Agamosis. If your sibling is divorced, you're 22% more likely to get divorced. And if most of your co-workers are divorced, you're 55% more likely to end your own marriage. Personally, I'm more of a coothery oothery kind of person. That's someone who enjoys the closeness of marriage. In fact, if it weren't for marriage, my husband would go through life thinking he had no faults at all. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here today with Lou Paget, Kimberly Rinaldi and Linda Crater. We're talking about blended families and the issue of gender came up. And, you know, I wonder if one of the issues that of many that my kids faced with their blended family is because of gender that they have the new mom and for some reason they handle the new dad, not that he's their dad dad, but they've handled the men in my life a lot better than they've handled the the new woman in their dad's life. And I'm going to throw that out just to see, you know, what, what do people think? What do you think? Um, I'm going to go to uh, Linda first. You know, it's interesting. I don't see a difference. I have a daughter and a son, and I saw no difference whatsoever. I, I saw 
reticence with both sides after a divorce. Um, and then with the blending of the family, since I wasn't blending, their father was blending. That was a, a different dynamic. But with my mother dying and my father remarrying after um, two, being widowed twice, that's the side that really is having the difficulty. And it, it didn't seem to matter which way it was. So for me, gender did not seem to make a difference. I do know that by the time we got to the third wife, you know, we were well beyond the years where stepmother was going to be used at all. This, this person was my father's wife, period. And that just was how it went. But I didn't see the gender difference, Sandra. I, I'm not sure if my family was just a little bit different. I do wonder if there's a difference between divorce and death of a parent and the blending, whether that makes a difference. Uh, if I may jump in, this is Lou. Yeah. Um, I've gone through uh, the divorce side of one and also the death side of one. Mm. And I actually, you know, when there's a loss and there's someone else who comes in who changes the dynamic of how you relate to someone, I honestly don't, it, you know, I think that the divorce part would be different and easier to deal with depending on how contentious the situation was. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things I learned was, as I said, you know, before the break, I learned from my mother who never listened to me how to listen and how to listen like you can't believe. So I told the kids, listen, my mother did not listen to me. So I will always listen to what you have to say and try to give you, you know, the best answer or, you know, find information for you. And a classic example was it was coming up to holiday time. Their mother had remarried and she was living in another place. And I said, oh, well, I guess you're going to be going down to Palm Springs to visit with your mother. On this day, and, you know, my stepdaughter looked at me and she went, why doesn't anybody ask us what we want to do? And I was so shocked. And I said, no one asked you? And she said, no. I said, you're kidding. She said, no, they just think we're going to go here and they're going to go there. And I said, really? And I said, well, then I will bring that up at dinner tonight with himself. I said, you don't have to mention it. I'll talk about it. But what it did was give them a voice in a family where even in their family of birth, they didn't have a voice. And that might have been, you know, a real gift on my part. But I listened when they spoke and I would hear things that other people didn't hear. So, you know, I came to this as, Hey, you know, they're nice people. And I treated them as they were adults, which no one else had. So, and initially my stepmother, my, pardon me, my um, mother-in-law was a little reticent about who I was. She knew who my family was, but she didn't know me. And, the thing that changed things for her is when she saw how I treated her grandchildren. Mm. And it wasn't something I was doing from manipulation. It was because they were genuinely, really lovely kids. They were, they were good kids. The issue, the dogs were great. The kids were great. My in-laws were great. The issue was him. He was deceptive and he was a liar and a cheat. Oops. Those character flaws, that's tough. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I want to jump in here real quick. This is Kimberly. Um, I think there's a couple of things that we may overlook. One of them is our subconscious 
sort of um, leanings when we're dealing with children. We think we're hiding our emotions or our jealousies or Mm -hmm. our frustrations with the circumstances. Guess what? You're not. Kids can see through that. And I think especially when dealing with younger children, what happens is they tend to want to be loyal to the wronged family member. So if you, mm. if you have these prejudices, if, if you're, you know, making these determinations and you've got these negative emotions that you think you're hiding and you've got a child who can very clearly see it and feels like they're being disloyal to you by allowing this person into their life, even if they're well-meaning, even if they're self-actualized, even if they walk on water at this point, they're still going to be the step monster no matter what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and what I told them from the beginning, this is Lou speaking. I said, look, you have a mother. That's not me. I'm not trying to replace this, but I am another adult in this house. And somehow, you know, we, you know, are here together and we're going to have to make the best of it. So, you know, I'll do the best I can, you know, and all I can ask is that you do the same. I think that's the best way to handle it. And I think, honestly, going into it as self-actualized and as healthy as you can, and, and I love that you went in open and you, you openly communicated. I, I don't recall. Did you mention how old the kids were when you started this? Uh, 17, 14, and 12. Two boys. Are, yeah, and the youngest. In theory, was- tough ages. So you did a great job. Yeah. Well, Well, I think the thing that comes across really strongly is the neutrality, mm -hmm. you know, Lou, you know, even and I've known Lou a long time. So and I know this is part of her makeup, but she can be very neutral, you know, and it's like I can see her coming into this environment going, I'm not going to replace your mom. I'm not trying to here to control you. I'm not trying to here to win you over. I'm just here and I, you know, don't really know what I'm doing some of the times and that's okay. Like that permission to be all weird. Like, you know, I say to my kids when, when they get together with the person that I'm seeing, like, look guys, I know it's weird sometimes. I know it's weird to see your mom with somebody and all happy and, you know, giggly like a girl. And, you know, we just got to roll with it. Okay. Cause I'm going to get weird and freaky when you bring girls home. So it's even, and we know we have a good laugh, but kind of putting it out there for the open, you know, it's it's that neutrality, it's that authenticity and no pretense. Frankie, are you with us? I am. Hi, guys. Hi, Frankie. <laughs> Hi, Frankie. Boy, that's Hello. a great topic. I love this topic um, because I've been a stepkid. I have stepkids and I had two marriages with where my kids were a stepkid and I had stepkids in that one too, I guess. Um, but, you know, I, there's seven kids now, um, all grown. And having babies, which is kind of fun. Um, but they, the kids that I have now do not talk to their mom. They're, they're not interested. She's a little bit crazy. And um, they prefer to have a sense of stability, I guess. And I, I encourage them to talk to their mom because I actually really like her. But um, they, they just kind of find her. Uh, they're disappointed that she, that she won't make a choice for herself that's healthy. And mm, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very sad, um, but you know it is what it is, and, and so you can only be, you know, as supportive as you possibly can. In my former life, um, my ex-husband was a stepdad in that with my kids, and when they were really little, he was really good, really good. And you know, they took him camping, took him fishing, did all the stuff that kids like to do. Um, but as they got a little bit older, 
he started to get really jealous of my relationship with my kids. And so the boys became girls. What are you girls, you know, why are you girls doing that? And, you know, why are you girls doing this? And with my daughter, he was um, just very condescending. And so, you know, I started name calling and, and all that kind of crap, which I abhor. And and so it, you're always torn and I just heard of a story yesterday of, of you know, a woman who's 18-year-old son, the, the, the stepdad's in and, and, you know, when the kid was little, he's great. Now that he's older, um, he's becoming a monster with this child. And, and it's always difficult because, you know, you're a woman and you have a husband or, a, you know, a significant other and you have kids and you want to protect both relationships. And, and it's very difficult sometimes. Um, you know, who do you, you owe your loyalty to your kids? I, I guess, you know. Um, but I understand why women want their relationship as well. Well, I mean, and I'm going to just throw in this comment. This is Lou. The real dynamic of blending of anything like this is really based on the maturity level Mm -hmm. and the ability to bite your lip because there's times when I would have loved to have said things and I just, I became the observer, but I think that it really requires a really strong degree of maturity about relationships and what's going on. Well, I'm going to just jump in here. And I think the secret to my, my two relationships with men, with my kids have been so successful is comes down to one word, patience, patience with their feelings, patience with your significant other or husband's feelings. Like, and, and taking it slow. I think you cannot go too slow with some of these things because mm-hmm. Everybody needs time to adjust. Like that's that's where I think all the conflict came. You know, my kids all of a sudden had a new stepmom, new stepbrothers, new house, all within 30 days. Like wow. their little heads were spinning. Lou, you remember this. I mean, they were just going bananas. They went from, you know, six, four years in this one stable household up to all of a sudden everything new. Um, right. So. Mm-hmm taking it slow, giving people a chance to get to know each other, getting, giving your kids and your significant other and maybe their kids, give them a break from each other. Let, you know, we would meet at a park, a neutral place. We would play, we'd have a picnic, we'd go to the beach. All these things took years for them finally to form relationships. And what's cool is both of my kids still have a good relationship with my ex-boyfriend, if you will. And they like him and he likes them and they can text or call. And, you know, it's like a family member and excusing that relationship from the family doesn't mean you have to break your kids hearts. And, but everything has to go at a snail's pace. And I don't know any other way to do it. Um, I guess I'll take us to commercial break. This is Sandra Beck and Linda Crater. And we're visiting today with Frankie Picasso, Kimberly Rinaldi, um, and Lou Paget, and we're talking about blended families and what works and what doesn't work. We'll be back after the break with some more tips and tricks on how to blend a family if that's what you desire to do. We'll be back after these messages. We're Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. to the snow shovel. Most of us who live up north have spent a lot of time using this tool. No one 
one really knows who started using it for snow, but according to live science, the first known shovels were discarded ox scapulas, or shoulder blades, which folks used to move soil and rocks 5,000 years ago. Most historians recognize Arthur Sicard as the inventor of the first practical snow blower in 1925. Of course, you can get pretty knackered shoveling the snow off your driveway. What's the word for the fear of hard work? Ponophobia. In 1923, two brothers from Norway constructed the first automobile-mounted snowplow. What's the word for the fear of snow? Hyanophobia. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back. Right before the break, we were talking about how patience and taking things slow makes a difference. And on the break, we were sharing some rather brutal stories that we can reshare on on this part about where things went too fast or they were so awkward or they were just not kind or thoughtful. And I mean, it happened to my daughter found out her father was engaged at her graduation. And as they were going on a trip that was supposed to be her graduation trip, he announces this to her as they go through the jetway to travel for a week with eight people she did not know. So her, quote, graduation trip became their engagement celebration. And that's oh, just I, hard. I know. Excuse me. How? <laughs> How selfish and how age Mm -hmm. five is this guy? Okay. Well, the funnier part is, this is a very funny aside. Um, He asked her to marry him at the identical spot he asked me to marry him. (laughs) He's not even creative. (laughs) No, 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 clearly not. He has a thing. (laughs) (laughs) She could be my twin. Um, Are they they still married? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Next on the, on the, on the too quick out the door, who else has a story of something that sort of came around the corner and they ran into like this that was in front of them. Yeah. I, I, this is Kimberly. I, this happened over Thanksgiving weekend. My cousins, (laughs) my cousin announced his engagement the day his ex-wife of 35 years announced that her mother passed away and with all the class in the world, he announced it on Facebook by changing his status. So his children could see it. Oh Lord. Yeah. The sensitivity of, you know, bus exhaust. Oh, and it gets, it gets better. The divorce (laughs) wasn't final yet. Oh my God. (laughs) You know, is there a common thread here that the men do this or do women do this as well? Well, I have seen where women have done it as well. But I have to say, in my experience, it has been the men who have rushed into something. My father announced his engagement to our gardener six months to the date of my mother's funeral. As I had said on the break, yes, we were thrilled. That lasted um, six months until she was dragged out of the, uh, the home they were sharing by the RCMP because she was being physically violent. Then he ended up, but he, my dad couldn't be by himself. And you know, it's kind Neither of like, could mine. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I'm saying into the ethers, dad, I'm sorry, but you know, you got to cop to the fact this happened. And then 
you know, he uh, gets engaged to the woman who had a personal vendetta against the gardener. Oh, <laughs> thrilling. And that's the person. And you grew up to write books. Okay. Thank you. And then the, he, that's the third one, is the one that they went down to Las Vegas supposedly for a weekend and then came back and he said, guess what? We got married. Father, are you out of your mind? But that, and then he was expecting us to be all nice and cheery, cheery. And I'm like, Father, I don't know this woman from Adam's house cat. And she certainly doesn't <laughs> like any of us. <laughs> and was absolutely threatened. Now, did, you know, was I um, a little chilly? Mm, a little. Um, but it was also, the dynamic was not put into place to have people get along. And I think that's one of the things when people rush things, you don't establish um, a foundation where people can get to know one another. Well, Even and I think it all too, Lou, don't you think it just gets anchored in frustration and grief? Like, you know how like you have something in your life happens and then everybody associated with that has the stink? You know what I mean? You don't mean to, but you associate, like there's people who were in my life, you know, when my marriage was falling apart and it was a big disaster. And I really, I don't like to see them much because they want to talk about that time. They want to see how I'm doing and I'm trying to move on. And, you know, there's all sorts of weirdness that anchors when you have a bad experience, especially as children. So when, when, you know, my kids got this, Hey, you know, that girl that used to work for me and your mom, she's your new mom now talk, you know, my kids came home. They thought I wasn't their mom anymore. I mean, Lou, remember that they were young. Right. They didn't. If they were young, they didn't understand. And this is that whole resiliency myth at, that, you know, you can just like Legos, take the yellow block off, put the red block in and oh, they're yeah. resilient. They'll be fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Frankie, go ahead. Yeah, I was I was just going to say, Linda, you, you said, you know, is it just men that do it? But, you know, it's well, men. I'm just curious. Yeah, I know. But, we seem to only have male stories. Yeah, no. But, you know, think about this. It, it's men who bring women home. So women are in on it. They didn't say, yeah. hey, you know what? The timing's not good. Maybe we should wait to say something. It's the graduation. It's her day. Like, where was she then? Well, you know, to you answer know? that question specifically, she did not ever have children. Okay. So in her defense, if, if that's the right word, mm-hmm. she doesn't know how to put herself in that place and she doesn't know how to put herself in that place to this day I but yeah no I'm sorry that's not an excuse you're, you're still a child I mean you're no, still it's a, a child reason. A, 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 in a family <laughs> no but she she grew up in a family she knows that's what true. that would feel like right well and she probably I mean, has nieces and nephews yeah. she's not living in a vacuum on Mars no you're right you're no. right and <laughs> and even if even if she didn't know and she said you know you know your kid Maybe she said that and he goes, no, 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 I know my kid. She'll be, she'll love it. She'll be fine. Right. Maybe he said that. Who knows? Cause she could have said something. Who I'm knows? I'm not thinking we so. Don't. But I, but I, it is curious because you're right. The women are in it as well. And yet what does that say about starting the new relationship? If the communication isn't taking place before you do something that large and yeah. you don't take time, then no wonder there are lingering things that continue afterward. And you, I think what people do forget sometimes is that a blended family is a family within a family. Yeah. And so there's yeah. these multiple compartments or buckets, if you will, that all have different dynamics. And blending all of that, or pureeing, as I put it earlier, is really confusing. And it depends on the age of the children. And yeah, you're right. I, I 
I won't excuse some of this behavior, but I think if people would take the time to put themselves in the children's shoes sometimes, it would make a smoother transition. But you're right well, about the, 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 the relationship dynamics, the difference in relationships, because my stepmom and her two daughters had a very different relationship from my relationship with her. Mm. And when, when my you know, when I would go to their house, they go like the older daughter. Oh, don't touch that. Mom doesn't like anybody to touch her stuff. I'm like, what? Ah, I'll just, yeah. I'll just do it, you know? And, and I never got in trouble. I know nobody ever said anything. Right? I'm like, <laughs> I said to my dad, is that, am I not allowed to touch? Like I was, it's the dinner where you're putting it on the table. Oh, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Like, you know, they would freak out over silly little things. Mm-hmm. And when she, when she passed away, I mean, they were married for about 33 years and she passed away from cancer and, you know, she'd had three bouts of, uh, of chemo, like three times with cancer, got rid of it, got rid of it. And then, you know, she, the last time she went and she just said, let me go. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. And, and so in my dad's, you know, head, he had already grieved her months right. and year before she passed. Mm-hmm. Right. And she actually chose somebody for him. She said, you know, I think you really like to be with that. Cause she knows that he likes to be with people with a woman. And now he was, he was like, 90 something he's like 90 i think when she left and and you know what i mean the thing is that in his defense he moved fast because he doesn't have a whole lot of time left True. he didn't have years to date somebody and go right. hey you know so right. you know it luckily it worked out for him but in now i'm sitting here where, where i live going good for you dad you know what i know that you grieved her i know that you loved her and you know what i'm glad that you found somebody that you can be happy with now, my sisters, on the other hand, my stepsisters are like, that bastard, my mother isn't even cold in the grave and he's moved on, blah, blah, blah. Look, she's touching her stuff because she she came to help him, mm. you know, get rid of all the stuff in the house. Did their mom know her? Yes, she knew her well. Did she pick her? Yes, she picked her. It didn't matter. They were just so angry that she touched my mother's clothes and she put them in a in a bag. Oh, my God. You know, I'm that's like, why I said what? it doesn't matter about the age. No. You're still someone's child. These girls child. are in their 40s. Right. Yeah, and no. You know what? That's, that's the whole reason why we also see big blow-ups when someone goes down to do the yeah. reading of the will. People get totally territorial about, this is mine, this is, you know, whatever. But I was one of those women who was brought in quickly. And I ended up getting engaged within six weeks of knowing wow. my husband. And... It was, and, and I have to tell you, my reaction when I first met him wasn't that thing of, you know, like flowers and, you know, the gleaming tooth and they're like, oh, yay. My reaction was, oh, my God, I'm going to marry that man. Mm-hmm. And it was something that it was almost like I knew this was mm-hmm. going to happen. And so when, and having been a stepchild uh, twice, I knew what these kids were going to be dealing with. And I said, this has got to be something they have to know up front what's going on. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, now Sam knows this, I have an identical twin sister oh. who happened to be good friends with my ex's wife, first wife. So he was able to show them a picture of me and they were like, well, that's Dee Dee. And he's like, no, that's her sister. Mm-hmm. So they knew sort of who I was, but what they also saw is I wasn't the reason for their breakup. Mm-hmm. I wasn't right. the That's that important. Happened, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is crucial. I wasn't the reason that all of this stuff happened. And what they also saw is how happy he was when he was with me. Mm-hmm. 
And that if was, they can allow themselves to see that, it makes a difference. Well, Sometimes, you know, if they're yeah. not selfish kids. And then also there were four dogs and I got along famously with the dogs. The dogs are where I started because I love dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, the puppies would follow me everywhere. And I wasn't trying to interfere in the kids' lives. But I will tell you, I learned more about relationship and how to talk to people and dynamics in the time that I was a stepmother than I ever really learned in my own family because I was an observer a lot of the times. And, you know, so for anyone else who has been in that situation, Kimberly, why don't you talk about how the two of you discovered one another? (laughs) Well, Mr. Rinaldi and I met at his doctor's office. I worked there. My thought was, what a pompous SOB. Um, (laughs) It's usually those ones. Yeah. (laughs) Love the man. Love him. And um, about a year later, uh, I ran into him at a wedding and thought, same thing. And we just started talking. It was really bizarre. Um, Within two weeks, we were making wedding plans, but we had an 18-month engagement because, again, that whole, you know, blended families aren't just stepkids. They aren't just... um, you know, children that you bring on. I have I have a very dear friend who she's called Bommy, bonus mommy. Oh, and yeah, is that not awesome? Her ex, she booted him out when when her son was five. Her son's now twenty five. She's never brought anyone else home because she's involved in her life doing her own thing. But she's helping raise the three kids that her ex has with his new wife and the three children call her Bonnie. And yeah, again, it's that whole village concept and it Mm -hmm. comes to a really healthy place. I know we're going into the last or the last break and Sandra, I'll let you take this one out. Or go ahead, Linda. Yeah. I think what it's different is that I love the description of the bonus family. I think it would be nice if we could all view it that way, but I think a lot of this has to do with the consistency of the communication, which Lou brought up. So we'll talk more about that when we come back from the break and you're listening to dynamic women talk radio. We'll be right back. We're Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. Celebrating New Year's Eve started in Babylon 4,000 years ago. The most common New Year's resolution in those days was to return borrowed farm equipment. Most Americans do make at least one resolution, usually related to health and fitness. But making a New Year's resolution stick is difficult if you're a mumpsimus. That's a person who obstinately clings to a bad habit. For many of us, New Year's resolutions seem to go in one year and out the other. Most New Year's resolutions fail by January 20th due to kinetophobia. That's the dislike of change. Call me a crusty gripes. But my New Year's resolution is to stop hanging out with people who ask me about my New Year's resolutions. It's March. Carolyn Davidson, and for more Words You Never Heard, check out my podcast at wordsyouneverheard.com. It's words you never heard. Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. 
Don't be a lachrymist and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break. Don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer and most of all, be honest. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Linda Crater. We're visiting today with Kimberly Rinaldi, Lou Paget, and Frankie Picasso. We're talking about blended families, and the topic of tradition has come up. And I know in my family, you know, we have certain traditions, especially a Christmas Eve tradition and a New Year's Eve. We know where we have lobsters. We go to church. We, you know, sit around the table and talk about what we're grateful for. Like there's this whole rigmarole that we do and, you know, has been in my family, I guess, for generations. And it was very hard for me when my kids would go to a household that is non-denominational and actually atheistic and, um, I'm sitting there like alone on on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve or going to church by myself. The first couple times were really hard, but then I realized, you know, I'm celebrating this and what's the meaning of this? And yeah, my kids aren't here and that makes me sad, but it's also not the end of the world. And they say time heals all wounds. And I think the difference of when my kids were becoming a blended family eight years ago to where we are today is so much more peaceful because Mm -hmm. I'm more peaceful. You know, the first couple holidays, you're without your kids, you feel like you're going to lose your mind. Mm -hmm. And then you go, oh, well, that means I guess I could plan a trip or that means I can go see friends I haven't seen in a long time. And, you know, but this takes time and it takes time for the kids to have an evolution of feelings um, And go through the whole gamut of them. We just can't get over things quickly. And so I'm going to go to traditions. I'm going to go over to Linda because you had a lot of traditions in your household. Well, some of them were blessings because, for example, um, in our in our immediate family, um, when we were divorced, we celebrated my side of the family on Christmas Eve, whereas my former husband celebrated on Christmas Day. So that one was easy. That was simple. What isn't easy and hasn't really become set in stone because we were still trying to work it out over the years is how to have get-togethers of this quite large now extended family. And there are different beliefs of how, how wide you make it and that this becomes a discussion a lot of times. You know, how, how are we going to do the gift giving? Are we, how are we going to mm-hmm. do um, all of the traditions and the meals? The meals are funny because there's, there's a certain dish that if you don't have it, this person doesn't feel like it's Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have this ornament at the top of the tree or if you don't put a tree up at all, there's a lot that goes on with 
I think, traditions and how things were done before. And some of those traditions are beloved and other traditions you're very happy to get rid of. It's, but I think some of this is learning to trust and feel safe and loved in a new relationship. And that takes a lot of time. Sandra's right, I think, about taking the time and patience to, to do that. Because in our family, it, it ended up being about who could have the most extensive, expensive experience. Mm. And that is not who my family ever was. And so that's just one example. How about the rest of you? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. This is Lou. Um, my own traditions when I, um, the traditions within my own family, after my mother died and my father remarried, you might as well, you could shoot a cannon down the hallway of those traditions. They were gone. Boom. Everything was out the door. Um, my mother was the glue that held everything together. So there was nothing. We never, ever went over there. The only time my father ever did one thing my twin sister was the one that went over and helped her try and put together some dishes for a Thanksgiving. When I got married, the only, you know, the only tradition that I brought was that, oh, I think it's important that we have a tree. They didn't have stockings, so I had, you know, we did just little things. But what I did is I, I said to them, I'm going to get stockings. I'm going to get some glue stuff. You guys make your own stockings. You can write on it whatever you want, and you guys are going to make himself his stocking because their mother had taken all of the Christmas ornaments, so they didn't have any. And mm -hmm. I, the only other thing I had was with my tradition, you know, my own family, was to go for lunch with my father once a week. And my stepdaughter thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I... I said, really? And she goes, I think it is so cool that you go and see your dad. And I said, really? And it was just, it wasn't that I was doing it with them, but they could see that there were things that were important for me. And when it was something that was important for them, going and getting um, the... I can't uh, come right now. Sorry. He, <laughs> Sorry. He, uh, one, of, one of my stepsons rode motocross. And for him to be able to know that he could go and do that because that was his passion, that's what he loved. And when kids are younger, that's what they consider tradition. We think of tradition as something we do every year. For them, it's what they do this week, next week, or the next five weeks. And I had to keep that in mind as well. It's Kimberly here. I think at a certain point, as we'll say the blended family victim, the the children or the people not part of the decision making. I think at a certain age you do have to be responsible for your own traditions, for your own happiness. So you had brought up, you know, if one doesn't feel like it's Thanksgiving, if there isn't a certain, you know, dish there, at that point they're welcome to bring it. I think, mm -hmm. you know, again, taking responsibility for your own happiness, your own well being, your own sense of connection to what was as opposed to standing there fist clenched and yelling, but we've always done it this way. <laughs> you outsider, you. But you know, it oh, takes time. Time and communication. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, because Lou wouldn't know about the lunch or whatever with the dad, you know, these type of things, um, you know, if she didn't have a conversation with them. And, you know, where it becomes difficult is when you've got two little stonewallers. You know, I have two stonewallers that, you know, if they don't like you and they don't accept you, there's no communicating with them. And, you know, there's no amount of 
of parenting that that can intercede a kid who does not want to be part of a blended family. And, you know, just like a little kid, you know, you can't make them walk, you know, like when you're, they're little and they won't walk and they just lay down, lay down and you're trying to get them to walk and like lay down, lay down, you know, the same thing can happen, you know, with, with a kid. And, you know, it's easy to say, well, they just have to adjust or they will eventually adjust. But, you know, Kimberly Rinaldi, you have um, you and I did a show together with um, gosh, what is her name? Uh, Tara Kennedy Klein. And she yeah. had a great mm-hmm. line. She said, you don't have to have your children love you, but you don't have to make them hate you either. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the difference of going, you know, I don't need you to love me, but I don't want to make you hate me either. And the other old adage that comes to mind is love is blind. And what I see is these parents, and I guess I'm bitter. I'm just going to say they're right over that big bitter award right here. But the parents that are in love and they're going to blend their families and they're in love, like love is blind, but what it means is they can't see their children. Mm-hmm. Their yeah. children are miserable. They're unhappy. And yet these two parents are so blissfully in love with their new relationship. They don't see the collateral damage around them. And that's where I think is the underwritten law of love is blind. Serious. This is what I'm just going to say. Secure, one of the things that happens in a blended family is trying to give everyone a place or a way that they can become, feel secure and feel heard and understood in the relationship. And that's a dynamic that really takes, as I said before, maturity, awareness, and understanding what is important for people, for each person. And sometimes we don't figure that out for quite some time. You know, I know of a friend who had a very different problem than what we're talking about, where she married a man who had children. Hers were grown. And his children ruled the roost. I mean, literally, the the eight-year-old would sleep in their bed with them. She never had any priority in the marriage. And it was almost as though he just wanted a wife to have a wife, but was not granting her any part of the relationship. So children can be a really active part uh, of the control factor that, Sandra, you mentioned earlier. And it's really scary when it happens that mm-hmm. way because how do you fight against, a, you know, a, an 8 to 10-year-old? That happened but to isn't me. The, isn't did that, that a dynamic that mm-hmm. would have been set up beforehand? It, it didn't happen until after the wedding. Really? Wow. Yeah. And then yeah, went I, on. They're yeah. no longer married. Wow. I didn't get married, but it happened. I was in a relationship with somebody who had an eight-year-old. And it was weird because he was divorced. And she had the big, gigantic picture, wedding picture of the couple in her bedroom, which I thought was a little weird. (laughs) And and he goes, well, you know, I, I can understand having a picture of your mom in your bedroom. But the big wedding picture is kind of odd, I thought. Anyway, it was all about her and and. And which, you know, in some ways it should be about your kids, but, um, you know, we dated and, and it was great, but he finally said, you know, she doesn't want it. So, you know, we have to, we have to break up and I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. But I just wanted to talk about traditions again in, in, in terms of diversity, because, you know, I think it's kind of fun to create new traditions when you have a new family. And even, even if it's not a blended family, eventually we all get blended families when our kids marry. And 
you know, I mean, you, you celebrate Christmas Eve, I celebrate Christmas Day, and every year now, every year, it's, you know, it's on off, what year are we on, because now the kids have to go to in-laws, and they have to go here and there, and so, you know, my traditions have to change, because they're not going to be here, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and they're bringing new people into my life, and, you know, new wives, or husbands, or whatever, and, like you said, it, it grows so much. So what, what happens at Christmas? Like, do you keep buying, buying, buying? Or this year was the first year the kids said, well, let's just do Secret Santa. And you're not allowed to buy anything except for the person that you get. And I'm like, well, that's not really fair because I don't like to do that. I like to buy for everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that, you know, that was the rule. And, and, and maybe they set it up like that because... Um, my daughter, I was pregnant. And so, you know, they gave me all these little gifts and then till it got to this cup, you know, that said, uh, all the, all the best moms get to be grandmas. And I was like, Aww. Oh, you know, that was great. But, uh, you have to, you have to just roll in. And I think like if there's special foods, like you try to put those foods on the menu and everybody gets a special food on the menu and not just one. And, and so you create new New fun holidays, I think. I mean, I love having the kids. I love having all the kids here. I really, really do. Um, I love my stuff. I do, too. And, you know, unfortunately, it looks like we could keep talking about this forever and ever and ever. We barely scratched the surface. But we've run out of time. And you can find out more at dynamicwomentalkradio.com and come talk with us again. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for tuning in today to Dynamic Women Talk Radio and join us each week. You can find more shows on dynamicwomentalkradio.com. 